Audio 31, Christmas Message, 2021, Part 1. O Lord, in wrath, remember mercy, Habakkuk 3.2. We will look at the celebration of our national holiday of Christmas, both horizontally or nationally, and vertically or spiritually. Can our national or horizontal Christmas be a truly joyous time if immorality is rampant, causing sexual deviancy, rampant divorce, legalized drugs, destroying our youth, homelessness, etc. But even with all of this, Christmas is still the most joyous time of the year nationally for most of us. But just think, if 97% of our families were intact as they were at the time of Abraham Lincoln, how much more joyful Christmas would be to all Americans. Are we as Americans going to settle for our rampant immorality to be the new norm? Or are we as Americans going to fight to again make this country the most virtuous nation in the world? We as Americans can be assured If we take on this fight to make America again virtuous and righteous before God, God will be on our side. For when God looks down from heaven on America to celebrate his son's birth, he is looking to see if we as American people, as well as our political leaders, are a moral people in accordance with his Ten Commandments. He looks at us Americans as he did his own nation, Israel. Moses writes, Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 5, Behold, I have taught you statutes and judgments, even as the Lord my God commanded me, in order that ye should do so in the land, which applies to America also, whither ye go to possess it. Verse 6, Keep therefore and do them, for this is your wisdom and your understanding. That is, when we keep God's commandments, it is our supreme wisdom which will set us apart from all the other nations. Again, verse 6, keep therefore and do them, for this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the nations, which shall hear all these statues and say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. Verse 7, for what nation is there so great who hath God so nigh unto them as the Lord our God is in all things that we call upon him for. Verse 8, And what nation is there so great that hath statues and judgments so righteous as all this law which I set before you this day? But now in America, how is it that we celebrate Christmas, a religious holiday, when our political institutions and our schools have become secular with immorality running rampant? How in the world did these institutions become secular? In the 1600s and the 1700s, Christianity in America was an essential ingredient in our schools, political institutions, and homes in order that free America might not only survive, but flourish. Therefore, we as Americans must be self-governing according to the Ten Commandments of God in order for America to flourish. 
Do we hear our presidents of today exhorting us Americans about the importance of restoring the Christian morality that has set us apart from all the other countries for over 300 years? If not, why not? Alex de Tocqueville, a French philosopher, came to the shores of America in 1831 to uncover the root of America's greatness. His conclusion, quote, I sought for the greatness and genius of America in her commodious harbors and her ample rivers, and her greatness was not there. In her fertile fields and boundless forests, and her greatness was not there. In her rich mines and her vast world commerce, and her greatness was not there. In her democratic congress and her matchless constitution, and her greatness was not there. Not until I went into the churches of America and heard her pulpits flame with righteousness, did I understand the secret of her genius and power. America is great because she is good. And if America ever ceases to be good, America will cease to be great. Let us take heed to this exhortation. And as Americans, let us strive with all our might to make America again virtuous. Without morality, our free, self-governed America will not survive. For our Constitution was never written for an immoral people, and therefore our founding fathers worked hard to exhort us Americans of the importance of virtue and knowledge, lest tyranny get a foothold in America. First quote from our first president, George Washington. Religion and morality are the indispensable supports to good government. Our second quote from John Adams, our second president. This constitution is written for a religious and moral people. It is wholly inadequate for the government of any other. Our third quote by John Adams also. Man will either be governed by the Bible or the bayonet. Our fourth quote by our third president, Thomas Jefferson. Now I will avow that I then believe and now believe that those general principles of Christianity are as eternal and immutable as the existence and attributes of God and that those principles of liberty are as unalterable as human nature and our terrestrial mundane system. Our fifth quote by our fourth president, James Madison, and he is called the father of our constitution. Quote, we have staked the future of our civilization and all our political institutions upon the capacity of mankind for self-government, upon the capacity of each and every one of us Americans to govern ourselves, to sustain ourselves according to the Ten Commandments of God. Are we hearing that from our political leaders today? And our sixth quote by our second president, John Adams. 
the foundation of national morality must be laid in, in what? In private families. In vain are schools, academies, and universities instituted if loose principles and licentious habits are impressed upon our children in their earliest years. Our seventh quote by Samuel Adams, the second cousin of John Adams. It is in the interest of tyrants to reduce the people to ignorance and vice for the tyrants cannot live in any country where virtue and knowledge prevail. Samuel Adams. It is clear, is it not, that our founding fathers knew a free country is not free if it is not moral. For our fourth president, James Madison says, if the people lack the virtue of self-government, their destiny will be despotism or tyranny. So when we think about the religious holiday of Christmas, we must think both horizontally and vertically. For as a nation, or horizontally, God expects us Americans to be moral. But also, vertically, God expects us Americans to embrace the doctrine of the true Jesus, for Jesus is the governor of all the nations. But it is only those nations that acknowledge him as the king of kings. When we as a country, embrace the bondage of the will doctrine of salvation, which is the doctrine of the true Jesus, as opposed to the fast food free will doctrine, by the trickle-down effect of that doctrine of the bondage of the will, we will be a morally free country. The national holiday of Christmas is divine to us true believers, but it is not to most of us Americans, is it? But it is a wonderful time of charity with the Salvation Army and its bell ringing and its red kettle donation for charity campaign, St. Nick and our gift exchange, songs like I'll Be Home for Christmas, plays like Charles Dickens' Scrooge, and a family-oriented day in which almost all our businesses are shut down with the streets being very quiet, and songs like It Was the Night Before Christmas that captures the mood of America on Christmas Eve and Christmas morning. "'Twas the night before Christmas, and all through the house not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. The stockings were hung by the chimney with care, in hopes that St. Nicholas would soon be there. Even some atheists and nominal Christians and other people of other religions can't help but enjoy the spirit of the season culminating in Christmas Eve and Christmas morning being charitable family gatherings. This will again be a great Christmas across the land for many of us Americans, regardless of which religion we embrace or even if we are not religious. But are we as Americans going to settle for our rampant immorality? Or are we determined to again become a moral beacon of light to this world? It is in the DNA of all of us Americans to desire that our good will outweigh our evil. 
Let us not settle for rampant immorality to be the new normality. No, let us parents again have a great desire to instill virtue into our children and only put our children in schools that are rigorous and virtue-driven. Again, thinking nationally or horizontally, where do we begin in order to again create a moral society? It is obvious that our founding fathers did not in any way, shape, or form create a secular nation, but a Christian nation. Many of our founding fathers were educated in either Harvard, Yale, or Princeton, which were originally bondage of the will Christian colleges. James Madison, who is called the father of our Constitution, was educated at Princeton. There are only two options for us Americans. We must either choose to again put ourselves under God's law of freedom or man's law of tyranny. It is very simple. We need either to reform the Republican Party or begin a new party, say called the American Party, in which we will, as Americans, put ourselves under God's law of freedom and reject sexual deviancy for it is contrary to God's moral law in order for us as Americans to have God on our side. For God cast out countries like Canaan for sexual immorality and warned his own country Israel to reject sexual immorality. When a nation will willingly put itself under God's law of freedom in a repentant way rather than man's law of tyranny, which is always unrepentant, with the true Jesus being dominant, we as Americans will again be a virtuous people, a principled people, a decent people, a respectable people with a moral compass that will exalt America above all other nations. The psalmist says it this way, Psalm 33, 12, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, that is the Lord Jesus and the people whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance. Abraham Lincoln says it this way, and whereas it is the duty of nations as well as men to own their dependence upon the overruling power of God, to confess their sins and transgressions in humble sorrow, yet with assured hope that genuine repentance will lead to mercy and pardon and to recognize the sublime truth announced in the Holy Scriptures and proven by all history that these nations only are blessed whose God is the Lord. And in so much as we know that by his divine law, nations like individuals are subjected to punishments and chastisements in this world 
may we not justly fear that the awful calamity of civil war, which now desolates the land, may be but a punishment if inflicted upon us for our presumptuous sins to the needful end of our national reformation as a whole people by Abraham Lincoln. So Abraham Lincoln had no problem exhorting us Americans to be a repentant people. For it is through repentance that morality flourishes. For we are restraining the evil proclivities of our black heart through repentance. We as Americans all know we are liars by nature and thus extrapolating envious by nature, fornicators by nature, disobedient to parents by nature, etc. And therefore it is a self-evident truth that the fountain of all evil in this world flows right out of the blackness of our own American heart. Therefore, for us as Americans to be a free, decent, moral people, we must be a self-governing people. That is, we must govern the evil proclivities of our black heart by keeping the mischievous black cat from escaping into an act of sin through repentance toward God. Abraham Lincoln knew that for us as Americans to be a righteous people, we must be a repentant people. For he called for a national day of humiliation and fasting and prayer on April 30th, 1863, which turned multiple battle losses into multiple battle victories in the Civil War. God showed us Americans that he was with Abraham Lincoln. For Robert E. Lee, the Confederate general, surrendered to General Ulysses S. Grant on Palm Sunday, April 9, 1865. Christ's triumphal entry is the same as Palm Sunday. Christ entered Jerusalem as King Jesus and he overturned the money changer tables in the temple. Just five days later on Good Friday, Abraham Lincoln was assassinated April 14, 1865 on Good Friday. Abraham Lincoln became the symbolic Christ figure as both king because he won the Civil War and also the sacrificial lamb, for he was sacrificed on Good Friday. Some might call this a coincidence, but most of us know it was God's blessing upon him because of how God ended the war. Thus was crafted a giant Lincoln Memorial in remembrance of him, which many of us have heard of or visited. But Abraham Lincoln's work was not finished, for through his general, 
Ulysses S. Grant, who became president, and his Congress on June 28, 1870, President Ulysses S. Grant signed into a bill designating Christmas a legal unpaid holiday for federal employees in the District of Columbia. The legislation also included holidays like the 4th of July and New Year's Day and Thanksgiving. So we see how much influence a godly president like Abraham Lincoln had upon our American culture. The Civil War to free the slaves was a righteous war, and our country was exalted. King Solomon says it this way, Proverbs 14, verse 34. Righteousness keeps on exalting a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. We can thank Abraham Lincoln, Ulysses S. Grant, for making Christmas and Thanksgiving two religious-oriented holidays. Righteousness has a dual meaning. Horizontally or nationally, as Americans, we are a righteous nation when we are a moral nation. And when we are a moral nation, our righteousness will be sought after and desired by other nations. King Solomon, David's son from his wife Bathsheba, put God first by building a temple desired by his father, King David. And if we, as Americans, will again put the doctrine of the true Jesus back on the front burner, as King Solomon did, our moral fame will spread across this world as King Solomon's fame did. The Queen of Sheba heard of the fame and personally wanted to know if it was simply hyperbole or if it was in fact true. Here is an excerpt of her reaction. Second Chronicles chapter 9, verse 1. And when the Queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon, she came to prove Solomon with hard questions at Jerusalem with a very great company and camels that bear spices and gold in abundance and precious stones. And when she was come to Solomon, she communed with him of all that was in her heart. Verse two. And Solomon told her all her questions and there was nothing hid from Solomon, which he told her not. Verse three. And when the queen of Sheba had seen the wisdom of Solomon and the house that he had built, verse 4, the meat of his table and the sitting of his servants and the attendance of his ministers and their apparel, his cupbearers also and their apparel and his ascent by which he went into the house of the Lord, there was no more spirit left in Queen Sheba. Verse 5, And she said unto the king, It was a true report which I heard in my own land of thine acts and of thy wisdom. Verse 6, Howbeit I believed not their words until I came and my eyes had seen it, 
And behold, the one half of the greatness of thy wisdom was not told me. For thou exceedeth the fame that I heard. Verse 7. Happy are thy men, and happy are these thy servants which stand continually before thee and hear thy wisdom. Isn't this the kind of fame we want for America? An indisputable moral integrity which is entirely possible if we become, as Americans, a people who will self-govern the mischievous, evil black cat in our heart from escaping through repentance. For then we will produce a multitude of righteous Americans to rise up into leadership positions in our schools, city councils, and county councils, judgeships, state and federal Congress, governorships, and ultimately our presidency. And if this happens, what will happen to us and our American families? King Solomon tells us, Proverbs 29, verse 2, when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked beareth rule, the people mourn, as is going on in America today. Proverbs 11.10, When it goeth well with the righteous, the city rejoices. And when the wicked perish, there is shouting. Verse 11, By the blessings of the upright, the city is exalted but it is overthrown by the mouth of the wicked. Our nation's principles will be such that they will be a bulwark to keep troubled families together and work through their problems because as a society, we will take the beam out of our own eye before we try to take the speck out of our brother's eye or our spouse's eye. The divorce rate at the time of Abraham Lincoln was 3%. Just think, 97% of the marriages stayed intact. And once we as a nation begin to self-govern our own evil black cat of our heart, we can be assured that the divorce rate will again be at 3%. Isn't that an assured hope that we can look forward to? For the strength of our families are the building blocks of our nation and thus the strength of our nation. Therefore, this Christmas, let us pray that the doctrine of the bondage of the will that was dominant during the 16 and 1700s and was dominant in Harvard, Yale, Princeton will return to American dominance. But how can that occur? In part two of this message, we will look at Christ vertically or spiritually, and we will find that Christ is the great melting pot. In Christ, there is no longer moral or immoral, white or color, poor or rich, female or male, educated or uneducated, 
high IQ or low IQ, prostitute or virgin, man of the year or Mr. Immorality himself, homosexual or heterosexual, etc. For in God's eyes, we all have the identical black heart with the same ineradicable evil proclivities, making every one of us Americans equally condemned. And in Christ, we become one people. If we come with repentant hearts, it will be his will, not ours, his merits, not ours, that will save us. For the first will be last and the last will be first. To be continued, may the Lord bless thee and keep thee in the name of Jesus. Amen.